You know, I've talked a lot about my kids on this podcast. I am a very proud father, after all. And in the case of the pandemic, my daughter hit it at the worst possible time. She started her senior year in high school in September of 2019, excited at all the possibilities and looking forward to all the fun that ultimately would never happen. We talk a lot about how kids need to go back to school, but most of the politicians that were trying to push them back way too early in this pandemic were doing it for their own political gain and not really for the good of the kids. But without a doubt, kids have suffered a different kind of hell this past year. Sure, they missed out on building their socialization skills, but they also missed out on a once-in-a-lifetime memory, like the senior prom touring a college campus, graduation from high school, first day of college, actually meeting new classmates face to face. Now that we're rounding the curve and we can see the real light at the end of the tunnel, I wonder what the logistics look like for all these kids who spent the last year in suspended animation and what we need to do to act as the relief valve that brings them back into the new normal when we finally reach the light. Allison Rockland is a music education student at California State University, Long Beach, in Southern California. Studying flute since she was 11 years old, has since learned to play eight instruments as part of her education studies. She teaches privately to help support herself through college and works in the pit orchestra for the Encore Theater Company in Los Angeles' South Bay, where she has played Read One in productions of Annie and Matilda during non-pandemic times. Oh, and she's also my daughter. I brought in a ringer this week. My guest is uh, Allison Rockland. She's been uh, working as a student at um, Cal State Long Beach, as well as teaching music in the era of COVID. She's also been through uh, her senior year at the beginning of the pandemic and things like that. So, Allie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, why don't you tell uh, the listeners uh, about yourself, about what you've been doing and how you got to where you are today? Okay. Well, um, as he said, I go to Cal State Long Beach. I'm a freshman and I'm a music education major. Um, I've played the flute for about nine years now. And then slowly I've added on alto saxophone, clarinet, piccolo, alto flute, and most recently guitar, bassoon, oboe, and keyboard. We're looking forward to this being a, a vastly lucrative career for you because as a hobby, it's pretty damn expensive. Yeah, definitely. So, okay, talk about last year. Let's talk, let's go back to the beginning of the pandemic. So last year you were a senior at Redondo Union High School. You were in the band program there. Um, which in the first half of the year is mostly made up of marching band. Um, and then the second half of the year is made up uh, in performance band kind of, uh, kind of things. Um, where were you as far as performing goes last year before everything came crashing down? What kind of things have you done? Uh, 
Well, just through my senior year before everything shut down, like you said, we had done our whole marching band season where we went to like 10 or 13 competitions and we had our championships and blah, blah, blah. I don't actually remember how we did because it wasn't that great, but you, it was you still fun. You didn't win, but it was no. okay. We got like third place maybe. Yeah. If, yeah. Something yeah. like that. But um, so we had finished that and we had gotten through our holiday concert and we were in rehearsals for our spring musical and we were rehearsing for our competition season for when we're doing sit down ensembles. Um, I had already played a full musical with the community orchestra I work with. We did Matilda in January and I had done an honors festival at Cal State Long Beach in January. We had just gotten back from competing at Loyola in New Orleans for our jazz band. We were that one fancy California school that showed up and played, <laughs> did a pretty good job. Yeah. But it was also like the third competition of the season and we were in a different state and it was a whole thing. And so, so, so where, where about, so you were in like New Orleans proper, like the French quarter kind of yes. thing. We were cool. walking distance from the French Quarter, and we got there, like, the week after Mardi Gras, and we got back on, like, March 11th. So, oh, so you, yeah, you made it just under the wire. That's that's pretty much true. So what was it like being a budding jazz student wandering the streets of New Orleans? Jazz has a special place in my heart. It's not the main thing that I play anymore, but I still enjoy it, and, like, I, I am a gumbo fan, thanks to you. Um, and so not only was it like I got to sit there and I got to eat anything I could imagine. Like we went to a gumbo shop the first day and we had gumbo and alligator sausage and my friends got turtle soup one night and things like that. So like food was great. And then like we're wandering through the streets just to wander. And then there's like a little jazz band on the corner and every five minutes a parade pops up and you it, it feels like Disneyland, but not, you know, because yeah. you don't expect that to be real until yeah. it is. Yeah. Was there any really particular musical moments that stand out for you? I mean, other than the first band we saw playing on the street had a clarinet player who was just sitting in a chair, just living her life. And she did the best possible solo we've ever heard. But yeah. At our actual competition, we get comments from judges afterwards. We do like a clinic kind of thing. Yep. And I was playing saxophone for our jazz band because one of our saxophone players couldn't go on the trip. And I'm primarily a flute player, so it was difficult in its yeah. own way. And yeah. we had one song where I got to play flute for like 30 seconds. And I had spent months arguing with the lead saxophone player about how I need to be playing the lead flute part because you needed someone to pitch reference off of. And we're sitting there and the judge comes up and says, you play flute, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, just a little bit. And then he looks at the whole band and they're like, so why aren't you listening to her? And it was like total personal validation that I needed, but like didn't change anything. You know, it was just that moment of, okay, I was right. Very cool. All right, you're back here in LA. You have been doing the band thing at school for several years. Um, and what was it, two years ago, three years ago? The high school introduced live music into its annual uh, performing arts show, right? Yeah. Uh, my sophomore year, the show was crazy for you. And the theater director was like, hey, let's get the band to actually play instead of using pre-recorded tracks. Because why not? We can. 
we have a good pant program, our auditorium has a pit. And so as eager to try everything, I was totally down for it and I did it. And it was one of the most fun experiences I've ever had because we could kind of see the show because of the way our pit was set up, but like you can't really see what's going on. And you're spending the week before at school from 6 a.m. to like 9 p.m. because you have rehearsal from 3 to 9 every night. And it was like, you bond with everyone no matter how much you hate them. (laughs) And like, we're doing dumb things like making shrines to musicians or like eating (laughs) fruit snacks in the pit or like cracking jokes and things like that. And so when it happened again the next year, I was just as excited. Um, As a junior, we did Into the Woods. Um, And then my band director got sick and he basically stopped showing up because he was sick and he couldn't show up. And so we were kind of left without anyone running it. And so one of our seniors took over and conducted the show and kept everyone calm. But she was like super sick. She had like the flu. And we were all trying to support her because she was just as stressed out as the rest of us were. Yeah. And then like the day before opening night, the theater director brings in a conductor to just get us through this because none of us know what we're doing and he works with the encore theater group which is like the children's community theater group in our area and at the end of the full run of the show he's like hey guys give me your email what instruments you play your information blah 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 and we'll get you hooked up with them if we need players right and like six months later end of the school year when this was in march it was like may something like that i get an email from this guy who's like, hey, would you like to play flute, piccolo, and alto flute and alto saxophone on a production of Annie this summer? And I'm like, heck yeah. (laughs) Why wouldn't I want to do this? And then he's like, I show up to the first rehearsal at some warehouse in Torrance. (laughs) And I'm freaking out because I don't know anything. I don't know anyone. I don't know where I am. I don't know what I'm doing. And I sit down and everyone introduces themselves and I'm surrounded by people who have PhDs and who are in the musicians union and aren't really supposed to be doing the job because they're in the union, but we don't talk about that. And I'm freaking out because I'm like, I'm a high school junior and I've done this once or twice before in my (laughs) life. And then because we're doing Annie, there's a dog in the show. And so there's just a dog running around while we're playing. And so... We all kept laughing about the dog and cracking jokes, and they helped me really calm down because I didn't know what I was doing, and I was sight reading, so I didn't know what I was playing. And then we went into tech rehearsals, and everyone was so nice, and it was just an awesome experience. And we'd eat together, and then the kids got lice, and we had to avoid them at all costs. (laughs) It's children's community theater, you know? Yes. Um, And then at the end of the run of the show, the guy who asked me to come join was like, hey... I'm not really sure how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to try to pay you for this. And I'm like, I wasn't expecting this, but of course I'll take your money. Right? <laughs> so after that, I went to New York for three weeks that summer because I spent my summer in the Manhattan School of Music's summer program that they do. Very and nice. that's a whole experience within itself. Um, but I get back and it's like October now. And yeah. I email him again and I'm like, hey. When's the next show? Also, how are you going to pay me? You mentioned that, if that's a thing that's happening. And he's like, oh, yeah, I forgot. Here. And then he mails me a a check. 
And right. so that was my first real paid gig. And it was like, a big deal and like a moment. And then they asked me back for another show in January. Right. It's cool. Changed your life as far as the whole um, uh, pit musical kind of experience too, right? Yeah. Also my first real paying job that's, as a that's musician. True. Very nice. Very nice. So um, let's go back to uh, senior year. You got caught in the year that will live in infamy. Um, you were setting up, if I recall correctly, you were setting up the pit for nine to five, right? That was going to be the musical production uh, in 2019. That was going to be done in the spring, and um, and then word came down that they were closing the schools. Yeah, so we had literally gotten back from Louisiana two days prior, like actually two days prior, and yeah. we were all exhausted and trying to get all the homework that we missed out on and get caught up and then we get thrown into the last rehearsal before we start tech week with the musical and so we're loading all our instruments into the pit and it's pouring rain like torrential downpour very fitting for the time um and we're lowering the timpani which is this massive drum that's like weighs like 30 pounds by itself into the pit from up above and people are down at the bottom trying to catch it and then the 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 guy who runs all the tech in our auditorium at my high school comes up to us and is like, hey, guys, you might want to stop doing this. And I was the, the orchestra manager, so I like kept everything organized and kept us connected with the theater group. And, um, and I'm like, uh, why? And he's like, um, we might be shutting down for a little while. And then we stop. And then an hour later, the band director looks at us and says, yeah, school's shutting down for two weeks. So we're still going to rehearse, hoping that when we come back, we'll be playing. And then that never happened. And then right. senior night at Disneyland got canceled and prom got canceled. And I got a six-month spring break, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And my graduation turned into a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah. I shot your uh, portions of it to send on. Yep. Um, what was it like trying to take classes from home during that six months? Um, well, it was nice because I got to sleep in more. And I'm kind of an insomniac. And so I don't sleep. And I'm always running around. So that was the first time in like a year and a half that I'd actually had time to sleep. Okay. Um, <laughs> and... A lot of the teachers didn't know what they were doing. So it was a lot of have some busy work or copy these notes down from a PowerPoint or meet me at this time this week and we'll talk about what you thought about what we did kind of thing. Okay. And the teachers slowly got the hang of it, but it was always just, it felt like I learned things, but I didn't actually retain any information. Okay. I was just doing busy work for the sake of doing busy work. Okay, so fast forward to... 2020, you're a freshman at college. Unfortunately, you're doing remote learning um, because uh, things still haven't stabilized enough that we are uh, reopening the college campuses yet. Is the experience different this year? Uh, aside from the fact that it's college and obviously the material is going to be different, is the experience of taking education remotely different this year? Are you getting more out of it? Are you retaining more of it? Uh, I feel like the college professors are definitely more prepared with what they're doing. And they were a little bit better at transitioning their stuff to online, especially because it was the second semester after everything had shut down and they had more time. Yeah. So 
first semester, I definitely was getting more information and I was learning more, but they like to pile on work because they think you have more time now that you're at home. (laughs) So I'm getting like five times the normal amount of work I would get, but I'm also sitting here staring at my computer for seven hours a day. Yeah. What's What's the hardest part of that, do you feel? Uh, staying focused while sitting in my bedroom, right? Because I'm sitting at a desk in a, an alcove of my bedroom and my bed is right behind me and I have 16 instruments next to me and I have Funko Pops everywhere and blankets and I could just be hiding in a corner on my phone not paying any attention. But I have to pay attention or I won't pass my class. Okay, so it's is it, the, is it just that there's so many distractions around you or is it just... Um something about the whole process that makes it easier to be distracted, do you think? I think it's something about your, once you get into like your third class of the day staring at your computer, you just can't pay attention anymore. Even if it's a different topic and a different professor, you just hit a point where you're like, I can't do this anymore. I need a break. Do you, do you have any time between your classes that you've got to like walk out of your room, walk upstairs, make yourself a cup of coffee, do things like that? Or is it like one right after the other? Depends on the day and depends on the classes. I Most of the time I get 15 minutes to a half an hour in between my classes, but I have a few classes here and there where the professor runs over and I'm like switching from Zoom call to Zoom call and I'm switching from guitar to music history right away. And it's... Yeah. It's... Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. I found, um, and I got this insight from somebody who I interviewed last year on the podcast, that one of the biggest things that's missing when you're living in a day of all video conferencing, one right after the other, is that human interaction with other people that comes from in between. It's like when you're in an office, you go from one meeting to the next meeting. You could be in back-to-back meetings all day long, but you still have to go from one meeting to the next. And in that process of moving from one room to the next or moving from one video conference meeting to a different video conference meeting, you have the opportunity to take a break and go get a cup of coffee and chat for five minutes with one of your other office mates, you know, that kind of thing. And it it acts as sort of, to go with the title of the podcast, a relief valve for, your, for you during the day to help you blow off a little of that steam and, and keep being functional that way. So um, I'm just wondering if you, from your experience, have found that on the days when you have breaks between classes, it's easier than on the days when it's straight through, or do you not notice the difference yourself? I think it's easier when I have breaks in between classes because I can do things like I can get up and stretch my legs, or I can go to the bathroom, or I can FaceTime my friend who also goes to Long Beach who moved to Texas halfway through last semester and complain about my professor or my internet or how I didn't sleep, or I can go get food. Okay. But I've I've actually been noticing recently, um, because I'm staring at a an alcove of just blue walls, I don't see like the sun go down in my room anymore. So I'll like turn around <laughs> at 4.30 and <laughs> it'll still be bright. And I'm like, what? Because yeah. like last semester when it was getting dark earlier, I'd turn around at three and it'd be pitch black. And I'd be like, what is going on? And now I'm turning around at four and it's still light out. And I was like, wait, isn't it supposed to be pitch black by now? No, we're on the other side of the uh, of the solstice. So it's actually good. The days are getting longer. So that's yeah. good. That's good. That's good. Um, you're taking, so you're a music student, you're uh, music ed. 
Yes. You're learning a million different music, uh, musical instruments. Yes. Uh, along with, you know, the the other foundational elements of it, like you know, like history and and the theory and things like that. What's it like learning musical instruments via Zoom? Oh, um, see. I, it's interesting because I auditioned into the music school and we have like, we do private lessons, yeah. which are state paid, thankfully. Um, and with having private lessons, I get one-on-one -on -one time with a professor and you're supposed to build up a rapport with them because you work with them your entire time through college and then they become a connection for the rest of your life. And I've met my private teacher in person once and that was at my audition. And so okay. I built up a rapport over Zoom but I don't know what it's going to be like when we meet in person and it's going to be very fascinating, but learning instruments over zoom is very difficult. Yeah. It's very but, difficult. So, um, as a, a seasoned student and as somebody who's been playing for a while, what's the most difficult part about it? There are little things here and there that you can't catch, right? Cause I could have bad internet one day or my mic could be weird or my headphones could die in the middle of my lesson and then there's a weird echo going back and forth. But there's things like putting your hands in the right place where yeah. you can explain it so many times, but sometimes it just you need to stand there and move someone physically to get them into the right position. Or something like if I'm flat, it's harder to tell over Zoom and you can't be like, hey, you sound like this, you need to do this to fix it. You started teaching yourself as part-time work while you're in school uh, this year, and you are teaching musical lessons, teaching them over Zoom. That um, I am. Uh, and you are actually teaching fifth graders, correct? Yes. It's funny, I was talking with a friend last night, and I was saying, you're kind of doing this backwards to the way the rest of the world did it, right? Most of the teachers out there started teaching face-to-face -face in classrooms and then went to remote learning and had to get used to it. You're going in the opposite direction. You're starting out your teaching career working with uh, remote education. What's that been like? So, yeah, the way, the way a music teacher normally gets certified is you spend your time in college taking all of your classes, and then you take two extra semesters to get your credential. My college has a credential program, luckily, so I don't have to go anywhere else, where one of those semesters is student teaching, where you get to go into a classroom and teach, and then the other semester is like, exams and essays and interviews and all that crazy stuff. Okay. So I have private teachers who I have now become friends with because I've been working with them for so long and they keep giving me jobs and things like that. Yeah. And uh, they were like, hey, we got thrown into teaching fifth grade band because the district kind of couldn't fund it this semester and we're teaching it through a private studio. We need help, right? Because it's yeah. two of them versus 30 fifth graders over Zoom and that's almost impossible right and so i jumped in to help in like october and it's very difficult because fifth grade band in our area is the start of playing an instrument other than like recorder or like those egg shakers you know because everyone yeah. plays those at some point in yeah. their life triangle Triangle. No, triangle's a little more advanced. You'd be surprised. Being but, really okay. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a whole thing about how to play triangle. Okay. But um, so I'm teaching them how to start holding your instrument, how to form the the embouchure, which is the shape of your mouth, and the aperture, which is the hole where the air comes out of your mouth, and like dynamics and technique and how to read music, which is like reading Swahili but worse, you know. 
music makes no sense the way it's written, but it's written that way because of monks and all that wild stuff. And so I'm sitting here trying to explain how to hold a flute to a kid who doesn't know their left from their right. Right. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, put your left hand here and put down your first and second and third finger on your left hand. And they're like, does it with the other hand or you hold a flute with your left hand facing like your palm facing towards you and your right hand facing away because you use your thumb on your right hand and a tendon on your left hand on your first finger on your left hand to create basically a lever where the flute is pushed against your lip. So I can hold my flute with my thumb and my first finger only and it'll stay up. Okay. And so I'm trying to explain that and their hand is both of their hands palms are facing towards them, which is not right. And one, you can't play that way, and two, you're hurt, you'll hurt yourself playing that way. So I've spent an hour, like, straight, just repeating the same thing over and over again, multiple yeah. times, yeah. until it finally clicked. And it's a lot of trying to figure out ways to make things click when you're not standing there, pushing down their shoulders, or pulling up right. their head, that way they stand up straight, or something like that. Right. And it's very hard. <laughs> yeah. When you're when you're in the same room with them, you can physically go over there and and position them as you need to. Yeah. What are you what are you the proudest of in your accomplishments so far as a teacher? Well, I started teaching only the fifth grade band and then I got hired to the studio to pre- teach private lessons, which made me feel pretty good, right? Cuz nice. now I'm getting a steady paycheck from teaching, which is yeah. awesome cuz I'm saving up to buy myself a new instrument. Um, but I think the thing that's made me the proudest is I've worked the most with the flute section because the other people I'm working with play like everything else and they're better at it than I am and they can focus on that. And I've kind of created little mini me's, (laughs) which is (laughs) terrible because I am very particular about the way I do things, especially when it comes to music. Like I created like little characters for them to use and diagrams to help them understand things, which I'm surprised worked as well as it did. And then like, they all volunteer for everything now, which no one else will do, especially over Zoom when like everyone's video is off and you don't know if they're paying attention. And so I just created an army of mini me's. Okay, and well, that's good. It's it's fascinating to watch. You've set you've set them on a path for success because you've given them the motivation they need to do the right thing. That's great. Some of them. I don't yeah, know about well, all of them. Well, I got a few. Yeah, the, on uh, the, you'll, as you'll learn through experience in life, there are people, the only thing you can ever do is influence people through your example, because, you know, there's two ways to lead. You can lead by example, or you can beat people over the head with a stick to get them to do what you want them to do. And beating them with a stick usually comes back on you later. Yeah. So uh, you're doing, you're doing good. If you, if you can get through to the fifth graders and and have them actually pick up some of the productive habits you've done a really good job uh, i think i don't know if they've picked up the productive habits they don't really turn in their homework but they picked up some things okay so how do you think the next six months are gonna go how do you feel about them i i like to think of myself as an optimistic pessimist (laughs) so My gut's telling me the next six months are basically going to be the same as the last six months where I'm going to be sitting here doing school online in my room, practicing yeah. as much as as much as I can every day and all of that stuff. And everyone will get vaccinated, hopefully, and then some things will go back in the fall. But from what I've heard from professors and from 
friends and such is everything's still pretty much going to be online in the fall but there will be a few like one-on-one classes like my lessons that will be in person yeah and that'll be nice but i'm trying not to get my hopes up because i did that a lot and i've been very disappointed (laughs) yeah i understand i understand okay last question then i'll let you go back to doing more important things than this what are you looking forward to the most when the world comes back to normal there's like four things. So I learned how to swing dance in high school. Yeah. And I go to a swing dance club once a month where there's like a live band playing and you're just interacting with a bunch of strangers. And I've been really missing that. So I'm looking forward to having that again. Cool. I'm looking forward to being able to go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. And uh, most of all, playing with other people and playing in pits again are going to be really nice because that interaction like you create a massive community with everyone you work with and you play with and I'm just I it's very hard to make friends online and I finally feel like I've started to make friends and it's just I need to meet these people in person and like actually play with them and work with them to have that real connection and all that so I cannot wait to be back in person playing with other people and in rehearsal and in the pit and cracking jokes about children getting lice (laughs) Cool. Allie, thank you for taking a half hour out of your busy week and talking with me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's a little Sorry. weird. A little it weird, right? It's yeah. a little weird. Um, That's right.